Hello everyone and welcome to the 2011 TBU Awards. Just a couple months later than it should have been, but nonetheless we are bringing the results for the 2011 TBU Awards. Joining me today I have all of our current co-hosts and they are... This is Donovan. This is Joe. This is Melinda. This is Stella. And this is John. Alright, and we are bringing you, as I said, the 2011 TBU Awards. We're going to run through... Of course, the worst of 2011 first, as we have done in past years, and then we'll go over the best. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll go over some of the questions, comments, concerns, and suggestions that uh, you, the fans, have suggested, and we'll address some of those as we get to them. But first, we'll go over the worst, and we'll try not to spend too much time on the worst, as uh, it's really the down point of the Batman universe. We'll try to spend a little bit more time on the best of 2011. All right, so let's start off with the worst comic uh, categories of 2011. The very first one we have is uh, the worst Batman comic book writer of 2011. And the nominees are Tony Daniel for Batman Volume 1, Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey, Gail Simone for Birds of Prey Volume 2 and Batgirl Volume 3, and David Finch for Batman the Dark Knight, volume number one. Um, well, for the nominees, um, going like in, in order, Finch, if you guys listen to us, uh, go over the Dark Knight, volume one. Uh, it was a short series for a good reason, obviously for the, for the new pick two, but also because it was very, very bad. The art was okay at times, it was pretty good, but like, I remember uh, Zach, uh, former co-host, said it was a very, it started off with a very, very robotic, kind of like uninspired Batman. Um, and the series just ended nonsensically. It, it introduced this Mary Sue character, Don Golden, whom Batman had known all his life. And it was just, it didn't make any sense. The, the monsters didn't make any sense. Educating the story didn't make any sense. And it was funny, but it was, like, really, really bad. Um, speaking of really, really bad, Gail Simone, um, as far as I'm on, on the show, I, my, my experience with the writer has been, you know, for Birds of Prey Volume 2 and then Batgirl. And she's just never really written a good issue, in my opinion. And I don't want to say, you know, she's always horrible, but in my experience, she's always horrible. And um, I don't know how to else to explain it. It's like her, her, she seems like either she's either trying too hard or just, like, really annoying things, really annoying characters keep on popping up, and I just don't... It, it seems a general consensus that, at least with her Batgirl run, it's just been very bad. Tony and Daniel, I, people like him, people don't like him. I don't really care for him writing the main title. Um... But even worse than that, on a technical level, Neil Adams, his stuff is just nonsensical, and it, it, it remains nonsensical, nonsensical throughout. At least with Gail Simone stuff, you know what's going on. You can still choose to hate it like I do, but Neil Adams is just like, that was a complete waste of our time. Um, I like Tony Daniels, so I would not have voted for him in this. Neil Adams, I stayed away from based on what I heard on the comic cast. But David Finch, I review that book, and every month, looking at it, I'm just like, I do not want to read this. I don't know why I keep putting myself through it. It is it is almost like self-flagellation, reading that book. Like, it just makes me want to hurt myself and cry. <laughs> but not nearly as much as Gail Simone. She is actually the first writer who has made me drop a title. I stopped picking up Batgirl because of her. And because of her writing on it. Uh, obviously, I think the the most obvious choice for this would be uh, Neil Adams, just because that his work has been so absolutely insane, nonsensical, 
non-comprehendable. But I think if you're looking at the worst writer, he, he can stay completely away from his work because it's so self-contained and it's you know it's a mini-series. Whereas Gail Simone, if you care about continuity and the Batman universe, and you might want to read her books to see what's going on in the Birds of Prey or Batgirl. That's what I find most offensive. Although, equally, I know that there are a lot of fans out there. So, it, I think it's odd how, like, the Batman universe kind of has the the, the fans who aren't keen on Gail Simone, and then there are other sites who, who seem to really like her. And, you know, so I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to work out with Gail Simone in this rating, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see. All right. So, the worst comic book. Writer of 2011 goes to Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey. I don't well deserved. It's a huge surprise. That was an utter waste of time, as Don put it. All right. So moving to the next category, the worst Batman comic artist of 2011, and the nominees are Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey. Anike Miranda for Birds of Prey Volume 2, David Beatty for Batman Incorporated Number 8, and Gilliam March for Gotham City Sirens and Catwoman Volume 3. I'm going to start by saying Gilliam March, uh, although a lot of people like his art, I think the main reason of why he was nominated was because he does do a lot of over-the-top cheesecake, which is in most cases unnecessary, um, and that's part of the reason of why he was nominated. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's not as, that's not nearly as easy as the last category. Uh, I'll go with Adams personally because he. It's a shame that such a legend could fall so far. He, you know, when you think of Neil Adams, I think of Batman. He's also obviously a, a great artist of his own right, but his Batman run in the seventies is by all means the word legendary. And for him to do a miniseries and it stuck so hard, uh, not only in writing but in, in artwork, it really is a shame. I mean, his characters just looked either ugly or unappealing and like they had the same facial expressions all over again and it was just yeah i, I mean there's you can, you can kind of critique art with, with preferences and stuff but neil adams i think it was, was objectively very very bad unfortunately in miranda was one of about seven artists in the five issue arc of the death the death of old clark in birds of prey and he's actually doing catwoman now which i'm kind of enjoying but the issue he did in birds of prey was terrible like it was offensive to the eye it was so inconsistent and nobody looked like who they were supposed to and they would change halfway through the issue it was awful that was one of the first times that i've ever really hated a book and then the other one we had was uh david Beatty, and david Beatty actually had the um he unfortunately had that that issue that of Batman Incorporated where it was completely in the digital world. And I understand what he was going for, but the problem was it just was not enjoyable whatsoever to look at. And that's ultimately the issue with his art was that he just... He might be able to do something really good, but because it was set in that digital world, it just did not look good at all. Alright, so the worst comic book artist of 2011, the award goes to... Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey. What a shame. It's a horrible shame, honestly. He's just going to sweep these, isn't he? 
Well, Kevin Smith wasn't a uh, nominee this year, and he did sweep last year for, well, his books swept last year. So let's move into our next category, the worst Batman creative team of 2011, and the nominees are Scott Lobdell and Kenneth, Kenneth Rockefort for Red Hood and the Outlaws, Judd Winnick and Gilliam March for Catwoman Volume 3, and Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off by saying Scott Lobdell and Ken- Kenneth Rockefort, I think they kind of got screwed in the fact I don't necessarily agree with them being nominated for this category because I actually enjoy Kenneth Rockefort's art. Um, I know a lot of people don't because it's very gritty, very it kind of is kind of a uh, a simpler version of Travel Foreman's type of art, and I know a lot of people aren't necessarily big fans of that. I actually enjoy that art style, and I think when you look at the perspective, there was maybe four issues. There was four issues that came out in 2011 for Red Hood and the Outlaws, and none of the issues were very good. Now, the series, in my opinion, has has picked up from then and has had good, good issues and has told good stories. Um, but again, we're only basing this off of what happened in 2011, and I just think that, in general, the first four issues was nothing to be proud of whatsoever as far as the story goes, and that ultimately affects um, whatever is being drawn as well. This is interesting because I genuinely like Gillian March as an artist. I like the kind of big, broad way he draws. You know, everybody's tall and, you know, nobody's small or diminutive or skinny. I really do like him as an artist, but I never liked what he drew. We've talked on the comic cast, unfortunately so, about the weird way he draws Selena Kyle and her buggy, you know, inhuman-looking eyes and the fact that he always draws her, like, walking around in bare feet and there's a particular attention to her feet, which is just disturbing. Mm-hmm. And like um, the kind of torture porn aspect to uh, some of the issues, which which I guess you could credit to Winnick for the team aspect. Um, how that, all that being said, while I don't like it, I do think that Neil Adams is the worst team because his art wasn't great, but his writing was like even like twice as bad. And just I mean, at least with Winnick, he he knows what he wants to write and he does write. It. I just don't have to like it. But Adams, I can't. It's it's like I'm both blind and deaf. So it's just, unfortunately, Neil Adams deserves this, although part of me wants to, wants to nominate Winnick in March, but ethically, I can't. Well, I think uh, with Judd Winnick and Gil March, they also had the arc of Batman and Robin last year, which I thought was particularly bad, and not just from a writing Winnick. standpoint, and uh, as a creative team, just... I think Gil March was solicited to do all three issues. He, he did one... Then there was another issue with someone else, and then in the third issue, it was half the second artist, and then another one. I think one of the other artists was Greg Tuccini. I think he also went on to do uh, number 26. I've forgotten the other artist, but that's because it was a, wasn't was a very memorable arc. But I think consistency, like, I think we had um, Paul Dini on this last year, just consistency does play a part in if you're a good writer or a good artist or not, so... That's why I think they have potential to win this. Uh, my vote goes to Scott Lobdell and Kenneth Rockefort on this one, based solely on those first four issues, which I think is when we did the nominations. Um, I really like the series. I really like the direction it's gone in, but those first few issues were, again, just very brutal, very hard to get through, and very difficult to feel good about reading <laughs> 
Um, my vote also goes for Scott Lobdell and Kenneth Rockefeller. I dropped this after the fifth issue because I can't get past the fact that this basically reads and looks like some 13-year-old boy has written it. It's basically just masturbation material. Um, and that's, there are a couple of good issues. I will give them that. But it, it, I just can't get past this whole ridiculous, sexist, narcissistic junk. And I would vote for it every single time it came up. All right, so the worst Batman creative team of 2011 goes to... Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey. So he did, in fact, sweep the worst categories. High honor. Well, for, for well, at least you don't have to send out like lots of postage. It's true. It's very true. All right, so moving on, the worst ongoing series of 2011, the nominees are Red Hood and the Outlaws, Batman the Dark Knight Volume 1, Birds of Prey Volume 2, Batman Robin Volume 1, Catwoman Volume 3. Now, just to clarify, because there's a lot of different volumes here, Red Hood and the Outlaws, that's obvious because there's only one. Catwoman is post-New 52, so the first four issues of um, the New 52 Catwoman. Batman and Robin, Birds of Prey, and Batman the Dark Knight, they're all pre-New 52, so that would all be before September of last year. Um, I'll speak for Batman and Robin. Um, the main reason why Batman and Robin was chosen was because after Grant Morrison left the series, the entire series just really took a tumble. Um, there was a lot of, well, it was really just a, a writer would come on board paired with an artist for about three issues. They'd write a story, and Batman and Robin, to me, became Batman Confidential, where it was just... We have these three, you know, this the three issue story arcs where not a whole lot happens and nothing really interesting or worthwhile. The Judd Winnick story, which brought uh, Jason Todd out of jail, was slightly interesting, but it completely took a turn when um, it got to the point where Red Hood was teaming up with uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, and Damian, and that just didn't seem at all right. This is really hard for me <laughs> because I've, I've spent so much blood and feathers over these comics. Um, let me try to go as brief as possible. Birds of Prey Volume 2, pre-52. Pre uh, I remember disliking that a lot. I don't think I ever hated it, but I remember just not liking it at all. Dark Knight Volume 1 was bad, but I remember laughing, about, laughing at it, so I didn't really hate it as much as dislike it. Um, Batman and Robin, I mean, it wasn't great, but I never disliked that all that much. Catwoman and Red Hood and the Outlaws were definitely the highlights for the New 52 in terms of uh, venom and bile and accusations of sexism, which were greatly justified. Although, I will say that as much as I despised Catwoman issue one and, you know, just was so upset over that ending, it, a lot of it had to do with personal stuff. I just don't prefer to see Batman and Catwoman's relationship uh, detailed that graphically. I mean, it, it's, it's just a personal thing. Whereas Red Hood and the Outlaws, I thought was legitimately sexist in the way they portrayed Starfire and continues to portray Starfire, even if they say otherwise. Whatever, I don't care. Um, so I think just again, based on just like the kind of mechanics on how 
they thought was good characterization. Red Hood and the Outlaws is the worst series. Um, David Finch and the Dark Knight. It was terrible. It was a masterclass in how not to write Batman. Um, it, it turned into that, you know, that period where uh, Frank Miller went from writing really fantastic Batman to Batman that was screamy, shouty, angry, really weird all the time. It turned into that, which really, really put me off really quickly. And it basically didn't have any original ideas in it whatsoever. They were all lifted either from comics, games, other uh, the Batman films themselves. It was just shockingly awful. I think a big part of why it was so terrible was you could never keep track of what was going on. You had to wait four months between every issue. Birds of Prey, I didn't enjoy it as much, um, but there were still positive aspects to it. Death of Oracle, obviously, was weird, and no one really understood why she had to do what she had to do. But, you know, the White Canary storyline was decent, and it at least sort of made you... Uh, intrigued as to who White Canary was and everyone was wondering whether it was Cassandra Kane or not but it really for me comes down to either Catwoman or Red Hood and the Outlaws and Catwoman has its its up moments as well but Red Hood in general I just realized there was kind of a pun in there but in general Red Hood and the Outlaws is well I just can't take it and just the characters are awful the way they're portrayed and the only one that I almost like is Jason Todd but it's not a Jason Todd book it's a team book so that would be my vote and then Catwoman the first four issues of Catwoman besides the fact that the very first issue of Catwoman we had Batman and Catwoman having sex in the last few pages of the book but there was also Catwoman being uh, beaten by uh, a man and thugs much larger than her. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the fact that uh, her best friend was murdered in front of her eyes, and this was all. This all happened in the first four issues of the series, and it was basically like, oh well, we're just make, making everyone think that Catwoman has the worst possible life ever, and anybody that she knows is either going to die or she uses them to sleep with which for the most part that really hasn't changed after the first four issues either but um needless to say that's why catwoman was nominated all right so the worst ongoing series of 2011 goes to batman the dark knight volume one (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to see how much uh, volume 2 fits up to that very poorly <laughs> not as bad as other books alright so moving right along let's go into the worst single issue of 2011 and the nominees are Birds of Prey number 10 Batman and Robin number 20 Batman Incorporated number 8 Batman the Dark Knight number 5 Catwoman, number one, and Red Hood, and The Outlaws, number one. I have an incorporated number eight that just goes back to, uh, well, one, it has a nominee for the worst comic artist of 2011, David Beattie, who did the art. That was the completely digital issue. Not only was the issue extremely hard to figure out what was going on because it was such, it was that digital art style, but also because you had absolutely no idea what was going on. Even though it was Grant Morrison 
Um, it was it was <laughs> to me utter crap. I there was it was extremely difficult to figure out what the heck was going on in the issue. Um, it was close to impossible to decipher all of the jargon that was in in the story. It was very very difficult to comprehend what was going on. I'm I'm surprised how much incorporated is on this list. I think it's that bad. Um, I'm thinking over and it's like Birds of Prey number ten sucked the root. Um, but it's I'm, I'm vacillating between Catwoman and Red Red Outlaws. I think I hate Catwoman number one more because Winnick's writing is so smug and it's just so irritating. I just remember that that first page where it's like you know meet Selena Kyle. She you know she's a red she's a red bra. You know she's like this God. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, but Red Hood and the Outlaws, I, it wasn't very good either. Just like the way it ended. And I remember the way it ended. You didn't know what was going on. You legitimately didn't know. It's like you know to be explained. It's like really. So again, I think I I don't like Catwoman much at all. But I think Red Hood and the Outlaws number one was by far and away the worst uh, worst uh, issue. I think no matter how confusing Batman Incorporated number eight was, it still had a pretty major reveal at the end of it. So at least it was important. Uh, I really didn't like Batman and Robin number twenty. It was the first issue with the current uh, artist and writer team up, but uh, I kind of feel that that's responsible for the the way that we have Damien at the moment because even before the new 52 Damien was being written in my opinion wrong it, he evolved as a character and and uh, Peter Tomasi was writing him kind of as the, the bratty young Robin that was first introduced to the comics so I really didn't like that interpretation of him and I, I feel that that's kind of what led him to being the the way he's written at the moment um, as offended as I was by Red Hood and the Outlaws, number one, and as painful as Batman the Dark Knight, number five, was to read, Batman and Robin, for the reasons that Joe just elaborated on, just hurt. Because I'd grown so attached to Damien, and I thought the writing was so poor in that one. So that would get my vote, despite the other two more strongly deserving it. Oh, Birds of Prey. Again, out of this entire list, I don't think it's the worst, but it was the the ultimate issue for the Death of Oracle storyline. It was kind of like a, what the devil is going on? Why are you deciding to all of a sudden go back into hiding? And I remember there was a lot of chatter about the, the list of heroes that she decided to tell, and I think Cassandra Cain was not on the list, and that was a big no-no, and of course... For they had stupid misfit. reasons. Yeah, and then Misfit was on the list, which you wonder about that one. Um, so yeah, that I think that was probably my lowest-rated comic uh, that I was reading at that time, but again, I'm going to have to say that Red Hood and the Outlaws was probably worse than that one. Uh, yeah, just to add to that, Red Hood and the Outlaws, um, sexist, nonsense, dribble, um, and it takes two interesting characters and completely ruins them for no apparently good reason as well. Even worse. Alright, so the worst single issue of 2011 goes to... Batman The Dark Knight, number five. Wow. Really? Go David Finch! He's on a roll! Man, oh man, man. People must be liking these new 52 books. Alright, so the last comic category for the worst is Worst Comic Character of 2011. 
We have Alicia Yo, which is in Batgirl Volume 3. <laughs> we have Dawn Golden from Batman the Dark Knight. Enigma from Detective Comics. Roy Harper from Red Hood and the Outlaws. And Absence from Batman and Robin. Um, oh, yeah. I'll speak to Absence. Uh, I really expected a little bit more from Paul Cornell when he did his story on Batman and Robin, and I'm not real sure why he chose to do what he did with this Absence character. I'm not real. I expected a little bit more from Paul Cornell and to have this character that was really. I mean, one. I'm sorry, but somebody who has just a giant hole in their head <laughs> is a little. I mean, there's. It's not like Batman. It's, we're not talking about the Chris Nolan universe where everything is very realistic, but at the same point, uh, a person with a giant hole in their head who somehow is smarter than they were before because they have this giant hole, because it's explained as if the oxygen can get to their brain a lot quicker, because it, it's just stupid. I, I'm sorry. It, it's just dumb. Out of all these characters, uh, I would say Don Golden is the most egregious <laughs> thing you created in the last year. Um, it was the Katie Holmes, uh, Rachel Dawes thing, where it's like this is childhood ca- friend of Bruce Wayne, which we've never known about until now, who is in danger. She has this inexplainable backstory with like her father wanting to sacrifice her for th- reasons that are never explained, and she dies <laughs> so so hilariously because like she, her she almost had no character at all, and like the dialogue was bad. She was this nothing character, and. Um, uh, I'm, I'm honestly glad she died so she wouldn't come back because because she was nothing. Nothing was lost, essentially. Yeah, so she was easily the worst. I mean, Elisa makes me laugh. Roy Harper's pretty bad, but uh, Don Golden was, was the worst character, in my opinion. I think, uh, interestingly, looking at this, I'm pretty sure Absinthe died at the end of that arc. Dawn Golden was killed, despite Batman trying to save her, which was pretty funny. And then Enigma was killed by her own dad, so a lot of them have already kind of got their comeuppance. Uh, this is this is a really tough list to pick from, but I'm going to have to go with John Golden like Don because I'm not supposed to laugh and I'm not supposed to be happy when Batman fails at saving someone. That is not <laughs> supposed to happen ever, but I remember just being so gleeful and so happy when I was like, yes, she'll never come back. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, Alicia... If you read Spider-Man, you can basically say that she's the crazy Michelle Gonzalez that we saw way back in Brand New Day. Sorry for the Marvel reference there, Donovan. Or not Donovan, but Dustin. But, uh, but, you know, I feel like her character pales in comparison to the awful character that is Roy Harper. I mean, he has his mentor as Killer Croc and just everything that comes out of his mouth is either sexual innuendo or just plain stupid. So he'd be my vote. Hey, didn't he say at one point, you know, a girl saving me? How embarrassing. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. My vote is for Enigma. Um, villains should not have offspring <laughs> purely because they're completely psychotic. And even if they did have offspring they're the worst possible role model in the entire world and i'm pretty sure any sane person wouldn't want to end up like them yeah enigma spends all her time going i want to be like my dad i really want to be like my dad really want to be like my dad and it just pushes the boundaries of logic way way beyond what 
I expect even from a cartoon, um, sorry, not cartoon, comic, um, and it, it is just ridiculous. But I don't think she'll win because most people have thankfully forgotten about her. And she's dead as well, which helps. We never saw a body. Ooh. Don't say that. She was Tony dead. Daniels, so he's probably forgotten about her as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, so true. All right, so the worst comic character of 2011 goes to... Don Golden. Hey. <laughs> All right, so let's move into the worst media of 2011. The worst Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2011, the nominees are Four Star Spectacular, Sword of Adam, Scorn of the Star Sapphire, and Triumvirate of Terror. I like Triumvirate of Terror. I, I guess people might not like it because they don't like how they did Wonder Woman and Batman, but... um. I don't know. I like this series. I, I can't really say what, what a worse episode it was. I just had to pick one out of a hat. Triumvirate of Terror was the episode where we had the debut of Wonder Woman in Batman Brave and the Bold. And it was Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman uh, switching villains with each other. Um, the villains were Joker, Lex Luthor, and Cheetah. And as as the only episode... Well, there only as one of two episodes that featured Superman and as the only episode that featured Wonder Woman, this was pretty crappy. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot that happened in this episode that was like that was really above and beyond making you believe that there was a purpose for them waiting to use the characters of Wonder Woman and Superman more so. Um, so that's, that's why this episode is the fail. I, I actually liked... Four Star Spectacular, I believe that was the one where the the writers and producers all, all the directors of the show all wrote like a, a short episode, and then they packed those four together into one. And uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Frankenstein comic at the moment, and Frankenstein the Creature Commandos was one of those short stories, so I enjoyed that. Although I can, I guess one of the reasons why it's on this list is because Batman rarely featured in that episode. So for a show called Batman the Brave and the Bold, it's kind of got the uh, Aquaman's Greatest Adventure theme again of him not really being in it. Last year for the awards show, the there was an Adam episode that was that was nominated as well as just not very good. It had to do with Aquaman and um, Batman and Adam, and they went into someone's body to remove some kind of uh, disease from them. I think that's the premise of the story. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was really bad. And you saw Aquaman riding white blood cells or something like that. It was really bad. <coughs> this year, the episode Sword of the Atom featured, uh, well, one, the teaser had a musical number um, featuring Aquaman. And that was part of the reason this episode was not very good. But then the other part of it was Batman and the second Atom, Ray Palmer. Um, went up against a bunch of other people, but then in that same episode, Ray Palmer retires and Ryan Choi becomes the Atom. And it's one of those things where if you want to include different versions of the same character, that's fine, but this is actually the second time they've done that. They did that They did that before with Blue Beetle, and it really just makes the original character, in this case Ray Palmer, seem not as relevant when you only feature them in so many episodes, and then they're, they're retiring, and someone else is taking up their mantle so quickly. Anyway, so 
the worst Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2011 goes to... Four Star Spectacular. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the people, there's a lot of people who just didn't know who the characters were on the in the episode because they were so um, few and far between. Plebeians. Yeah, makes Philistines. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the last worst media uh, n- nominations, but also the uh, altogether the last worst one. Um, the worst Dark Knight Rises rumor of 2011. Uh-huh. All right. The first one is Carl Urban playing Batman on the CW. <laughs> Two Face is still alive. Robin Williams to play Hugo Strange. And Joseph Gordon Levitt is ro- actually Robin. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's do this. Um, well, I remember the, the Robin Williams thing was, was, I remember that was around back when they were making Batman Forever, like over almost 15 years ago, so it was odd to hear it again. Um, all the other ones didn't offend me. Two-Face Still Alive was actually my hope. But Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin was such a stupid idea. Why would a no-name character who is a cop be Robin? Like, that's, I know, I know Nolan and uh, the other writers in the movies like to kind of deviate every now and then. But not that much. And the fact that people were kind of pitching for that, just, I thought that was really, really stupid. Uh, Robin Williams, I wouldn't actually have a huge problem with him playing Hugo Strange. Uh, I saw a one-hour photo. I think he probably would have done a really great job. But the one that I was just the most baffled by was not only Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin, but as every single character that you could imagine. Like, just people who didn't even make sense to have in the movie. They were like, oh, that's who he's been cast as. The name that they're giving him is, it's just a front, it's a ruse. <laughs> <laughs> the the Two-Face is still alive one was kind of interesting because in the movie, it is assumed that he is dead. You don't know whether or not he's actually dead because, especially the way that Batman and Gordon talk, it's almost as if they are just, they, they just say they need to cover it up, they need to hide this, but they... <laughs> But it's never actually said, look, Harvey Dent's dead. Yes, he fell. Yes, he's unconscious. But they never actually said that he was dead. Right. In the actual script for the movie, it does say he dies. Mm-hmm. So that is the finality of it. But the fact that people were saying, well, Two-Face is still alive, um, that was kind of odd because at that point it would have been going against what was ri- what was originally written in the original script. The Carl Urban uh, playing as Batman, um, that, well, one, I don't ever want to see a Batman TV show on the CW, period. No, absolutely not. Never, well, ever. I, I don't even want to necessarily see a Batman TV show on any network station. Stick with HBO, um, because then not only can they have a big budget, but they can also have something worthwhile and not have to worry about... Um, you know, dummy it down for network audiences. Um, CW is probably the worst station out there as far as uh, shows to have uh, really good quality because most of the shows, and I say this after I already know that there's a show coming out on CW next year based on Arrow. Mm-hmm. It looks actually really good, so I, I will hold my breath on that. But the CW in general has a lot of their shows is, you know, it's only about love 
and events <laughs> regarding love. Well, HBO, that means there's going to be some heavy shipping there, too. Hey, Explicit that's okay. shipping. That's okay. <laughs> oh my God. Dick Grayson shipping. Don, uh, uh, Joe will get his uh, Catwoman scenes that he's been waiting for. <laughs> it was. What? <laughs> uh, Catwoman being beat up all the time. It needs to be oh, okay. I, I'm going to nominate Robin Williams playing Hugo Strange. Yeah, I don't know why he one why Hugo Strange would appear in the film. The focus has been entirely on Gotham and um, Batman's kind of fight with Gotham, and not really mentioned Arkham Asylum. Um, that much at all, in fact. So for Hugo Strange to appear is is a would be a really bizarre decision. And Robin Williams hasn't made a good film well the last ten ten years, um, and and would be an absolutely terrible choice. Uh, even though for some reason every time there's a Batman film, he seems to get nominated for characters. I think he should just have a cameo in this film. And then everybody can put those rumors to bed because it's a really insane decision in my eyes, anyway. I, I think one of the other major themes of Nolan's Batman is like the psychology of Batman. So Hugo Strange would work with that. The only problem with casting Robin Williams as it is, I think, it, like putting a beard on him would probably like remind everyone of like Popeye or something. So it probably wouldn't work that way. I don't know. I like Popeye. I thought that was a good film. <laughs> <laughs> Just me, I think, in the entire world. But yeah, I, I, was he that would, his last good film? Just, yeah, it was his last good film. 1983. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, he would look absurd. But I, I, I don't think Hugo Strange would fit in. And and Robin Williams is terrible. Anyway. Also, they already had a psychology or a psychoanalyst character with Scarecrow in the first one. So they'd be kind of repeating it. Alright, so, the worst Dark Knight Rises rumor of 2011 goes to... Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Robin. Hey! Alright, so, let's move into the best, because that really is why we're here. Yeah! The best Batman comic writer of 2011, the nominees are Grant Morrison for Batman Incorporated, Scott Snyder for Detective Comics Volume 1, Batman and Batman Volume 2, Brian Q. Miller for Batgirl, and Greg Hurwitz for Penguin, Pain, and Prejudice. Um, this is this is a good list. The only, the only clear-cut person that I wouldn't vote for is uh, the Pain and Pre- Prejudice writer, Greg Hurwitz. And I, just, I just, you know, just didn't care for it. Um, Miller was awesome on Batgirl, routinely. Um, Morrison was great on Batman, pretty regularly there was the there was the odd issue like the batwoman issue where i didn't care for it but mainly he was pretty awesome although i think greg or scott snyder continuously knocked out of the park it was such a surprisingly awesome run that it quickly shot up as like one of the best batman runs in, in a long while and batman's had some pretty good stories uh you know for a while but like the snyder one was just you know far and away the most gripping you know dark awesome unex- you know surprising run of the year so definitely Scott Snyder in my opinion I think this one's difficult because uh, Scott Snyder's run really was fantastic like, like I think we everyone on every single issue we really enjoyed it sang its praises over and over again but what Grant Morrison is doing is so sort of it's so like iconic and it's, it's kind of new like I, I know I definitely haven't read anything like it before and 
I mean, it is pushing the character to new places. I think that's kind of been stilted a bit by the new 52, and hopefully that's not, not, not going to affect it too much. But I think if he'd been a bit more consistent uh, timing-wise, then he'd have a much better chance. But, I mean, Scott Snyder's been doing such excellent work that it's, it's going to be really close, I think. Same thing. Super tough to pick just one of them. Um, Scott Snyder has done a really great job uh, with the new 52. Grant Morrison was one of the writers who I first read when getting into Batman, but Brian Q. Miller took a really tough character. I mean, people were so attached to Barbara Gordon as Batgirl and Cassandra Cain as Batgirl that to introduce someone new and to say, hey, love her, and to actually accomplish it, and in such a short amount of time, I think that he definitely deserves this award because of that. I fully agree with Melinda on this one, and, you know, listeners of BTO know how much uh, I really respect the man, um, and he's, you know, a friend of, never mind, I'll just get that, but, uh, I don't know, there are a few books, basically three books or series that I will recommend to someone that maybe hasn't read that particular character or hasn't read comics at all, and continually they come back they will come back and say i really liked it like it's a sure thing and that's why i recommend it and this series is in fact one of those things it was just stephanie was such an uh, endearing character and i know it was rough especially the first issue especially for cats fans the way it was the the mantle was traded off and everything And and i understand that but i think that we all fell in love with this stephanie brown character and there are some issues like the supergirl team up that are just astounding and some weird issues like clarion you know the witch boy uh, of february 14th and you just think this is so weird how is this ever going to work but it was so fun and great and then he takes other characters that i was really annoyed with damien i don't know how other people felt at that time but he takes almost hated characters and puts them in these situations and almost gives them a human heart and really humanizes them just by setting them up against such a fun-loving character like Stephanie. And just throughout the entire series, he did such a wonderful job. So I would definitely vote for Brian Q. Miller. I would go for Brian Q. Miller as well. I think um, what's kind of not been recognized is that Stephanie was quite a hated character. She was someone who really polarized opinion about her um well maybe it's just the blogs and stuff that i read but i encountered a lot of hate and i think that he's basically taken her and and i you know for there to be such an outcry when they announced that stephanie's not going to be batgirl anymore kind of shows how well he he did with the character and how great uh, stories he was writing and, and how much he got under her skin and, and did write her well. Um, and also being a bloke writing a woman really well as well is, is very difficult to do because obviously it's not something that guys understand. Um, but he, in my opinion, wrote it perfectly. All right. So the best <laughs> Batman comic writer of 2011 goes to... Scott Snyder for Detective Comics and Batman. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) And it deserves it. Yeah, he's well-deserved. All right, so moving right along. The best Batman comic artist of 2011, and the nominees are J.H. Williams III for Batwoman, 
Chris Burnham for Batman Incorporated and Batman Incorporated Leviathan Strikes. Ardian Syafs for Batgirl Volume 3. Seisman Kodransky for Penguin Pain and Prejudice. Marcus Toe for Red Robin and the Huntress. Dustin Wen for Batgirl Volume 2. David Finch for Batman the Dark Knight. And Ben Oliver for Batwing. I'm not going to say Marcus, Marcus Toe. All these guys are, um, are really excellent artists. Um, and they're all right. Uh, some are a little bit more more consistent than others. Um, Dustin wins a fan favorite and has been for the last, I would say the last, almost the last decade of Batman books. But I think that Marcus Toe has been the most consistent, definitely the most reliable. I've always loved his art, uh, even in The Huntress Wars. I, I didn't like it as much as Red Robin uh, in terms of, you know, a series, but the art was always great. And I think he's the one artist that, like, it's always, you can always kind of look to see this is going to be awesome artwork. I mean, Mark, Ben Oliver is great. J.H. Williams III is great. Um, Finch is good. Has his moments. The artist known as Sayoff has has his own moments. But uh, Marcus Toe is my pick. Yeah, this is a really hard one. When we had to nominate some of these, I remember just dumping half of the the names on the comics at the time, saying this one, this one, this one. So, I mean, I love Chris Burnham. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but. I, I really enjoy his style. I think it, it works really well in Batman Inc. Dustin Nguyen, like Dom was saying, is a fan favourite. Sam Kodransky, I really enjoyed in Penguin Pain and Prejudice and uh, what he was doing in there. Even uh, That can sometimes be a bit confusing, but uh, I think it really works most of the time. And then, of course, J.H. Williams III is just... His art is beautiful all the time, so... I, I'm a huge fan of his work as well, so... Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing who wins this. This is a tough category, um, partially because of the number of nominees we had, but my vote goes to, oddly enough, David Finch for Batman the Dark Knight. As much as I despise the writing, (laughs) the book always looked really beautiful. And while I'm not someone that thinks that good art can carry a bad story, I really think that it was... It's not worth it to pick it up for the art, but he he made a really beautiful book, and I was very happy with that. Uh, yeah, another great category. Of course, that's why it's the best. Um, <clears throat> David Finch, I always, I guess I'll just always, you know, take to my grave the times that Dustin comes on the show and says that the white the white rabbit is very is drawn very attractively here. So. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't exactly like that, but you get the, you know, you get it. Um, so, yeah, Dustin Nguyen, great. Um, I love his little, little people. Uh, but I think Lee Garbutt kind of always took my heart for Batgirl. Marcus Toe was great on Huntress and Artie and off. Not so much. He's very touch-and-go, and you can mostly see that in the... Uh, in the Barbara depictions, but I would definitely go with J.H. Williams, just beautiful, beautiful art and the way it's laid out and how everything comes together, especially on those uh, double-page splashes is just great, so that's where I would go. Uh, like Don, Marcus Toe. Oh, I don't think he's going to win it, um, but I think he's uh, a incredibly underrated artist. Um, all his characters are really well-proportioned, really well-drawn, very realistic, very down-to-earth, and they never suffer this kind of ballooning or elephantism that a lot of artists um, go for. But, like I said, I don't think he'll win it, mainly because he's not as mainstream as some of the others. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's not mainstream enough. Can I change my vote to him? I just realized he's a hometown boy. Oh, is he Canadian? He's from Calgary. Oh, okay. Then I changed my vote away from him. No. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm playing. All right, so the best Batman comic book artist of 2011 goes to... J. Williams III for Batwoman. Well deserved, to be honest. Yeah, and... He, he didn't get it last year, did he? Which uh, I think everyone no, was surprised about, but very well deserved. All right, so moving on to the next category, the Best Batman Comic Book Creative Team of 2011, and the nominees are Greg Hurwitz and Simon Kudransky for Penguin, Pain, and Prejudice, Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham for Batman Incorporated, W. Hayden Blackman and J.H. Williams for Batwoman, Scott Snyder, Jacques, Francisco Francavella for Detective Comics Volume 1, and Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo for Batman Volume 2. Batman Williams are excellent, always knocking out of the park. However, I think Snyder, Jock, and Francisco Francavella were a lot stronger because I may have said on the comic cast before, but it's been a while, that like whenever runs have different artists or they interchange artists, it's very distracting. Here, it was a concentrated effort to tell the story with different artists. So the backup story would have Francisco Francavella, while the main story had Jock artwork. And then as the James Jr. storyline got deeper and deeper, you know, a lot more to the focus, they would interchange it, you know, uh, actively to the point where the last issue, both Jock and Francisco Francavella had, you know, different parts of the story, but telling the same story. It was such a great marriage of, you know, creative talent and just the writing and the artwork and the, and the different scenes. And it was just, it was... Absolutely excellent, so I'm definitely nominating them. Uh, I think I agree with Don in that if you're looking at this as the best comic creative team, all of these these teams here are they're great writers and great artists, but I think the the one that worked best as an actual team were Scott Snyder with Jock and Francisco Francovia, because you can really tell throughout their run that they really were just talking about what they were doing, swapping ideas, you know, helping each other out, and I think it really works and it really shows in the in the art and in the story. I really have enjoyed Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on the new Batman Volume 2. My vote goes to them simply because I think they they were tasked with a really difficult job. Like, yeah, Scott Snyder was tasked with ending Detective Comics, but he was also given the job of creating a new Batman for a new age and making it something that old fans could still relate to. And I think he and Greg Capullo together have done the best job of that. I would definitely go with Snyder, Jacques, and Frank Avella. Just, oh man, I remember reading that run, and it just kept me... It was very intense, and I just had to keep reading, you know, the next issue, the next issue, and I don't think any comic has ever reeled me in the way that that uh, reeled me in. And still, that picture with Babs in the chair, and like, the two knives in her legs, Still wants me. Still wants me. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go with with the same as the rest of you guys. Scott Snyder and Jock and Francesco Francavella. Um, It was was just awesome, as you guys have said. I can't really add much more. For some of the other ones, I really enjoyed Greg Hurwitz and Susan Kudransky. Um, Penguin, Pain, and Prejudice. I thought Hurwitz's story, even though it was probably an issue longer than it needed to be, uh, was a good story, and Sizemore Kudransky's art complemented his writing very well. Um, Obviously, Batwoman 
was very good as well. Um, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham teaming up on Batman Incorporated was good, but uh, really it comes down to one of the two Scott Snyder uh, creative teams for me. All right, so the best Batman comic creative team of 2011 goes to... Scott Snyder, Jacques, and Francisco Francavella for Detective Comics Volume 1. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit reserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving along, best ongoing comic series of 2011, and the nominees are Batman Volume 2, this would be the Scott Snyder uh, Batman, Detective Comics Volume 1, which was also Scott Snyder, Batwoman, which would be the main series for Batwoman, Birds of Prey Volume 3, which is the uh, post-New 52 one, and Batgirl Volume 2, this would be before the relaunch. I would actually suggest, or not suggest, I would nominate Batgirl as the uh, the pre the pre-pitch Batgirl as the best, because it was by far the most consistent. Batman, written by um, Capullo, not Capullo, Snyder, and uh, illustrated by Capullo, it's, it's been solid. Um... But in comparison, I don't want to compare it to you know the the Jock and Francovella run, but you know there's been some hangouts with the, the Nine of Owls. Um, it's been a little more involved in, in telling its story rather than kind of like you know grabbing you issue by issue. It's just doing a different thing. Uh, Detective Comics, which was you know the the previous Snyder run, was awesome, but that wasn't that was a seven issue storyline. How long was it? How long did that go? The Detective it wasn't the like eleven issue. issues. Yeah. Was it eleven issues? No, no, it was ten. It was ten issues. Okay, yeah, so I, I remember before before that came on, Detective was such an iffy title. Like I remember that that weird storyline with like the Joker's and the Batman. Basically, the storyline for Batman Imposters and um, Birds of Prey. Don't make me laugh. Uh, I I really think that Batgirl was was like you know in terms of a consistently consistency, the most solid issue after issue uh, uh, t- title of the year two thousand twelve or two thousand eleven, and the last issue was awesome as well. So I'm nominating that. For no. Detective Comics Volume 1, um, in 2011, the only issues that were that would be part of this nomination would be all of Scott Snyder's run. No! <laughs> then, I'm out of, I, then I have to change my vote, then, unfortunately. I really do. So I'll nominate Tech. And um, your reaction makes it seem as if you're thinking of the Birds of Prey pre-New 52, but it's yeah. post. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah, said, yeah. don't make me laugh, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, all that being said, I do nominate Detective Pre-52. I, uh, I have to say I absolutely love the Scott Sanders run on Detective. I mean, if I'm in a shop or something, it's the one I always recommend to people when I, I try and get them interested in comic books. And if I'm in a shop and I'll see sort of people browsing the Batman graphic novels and stuff, I'll always give them a nudge and point them towards it and say you should get that. They normally walk away from me, but uh, that being said, I mean, what they did on that arc was amazing. I mean, they really powered through, you know, like, I think they double-shipped on yeah, they one did. or two months just to get their story finished, and it, like, it, it doesn't feel rushed or forced. It just, it really was an epic. And then, also Batgirl Volume 2, uh, I, I never realised how much I cared for the character, for Stephanie Brown, until that last issue... And we had all those sort of full pages of just all the storylines that Brian Q. Miller would have liked to have done. And yeah, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I actually got very upset reading that last issue and just seeing 
what we could have had with Stephanie and how much more story there was, how much more story there was with her, and knowing that we weren't going to see her again. But uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, if I am looking at the the best series, then I probably would have to give it to Detective. Um, best ongoing for 2011, I would vote Batgirl. Just based on. <laughs> I'm assuming that's Stella applauding, just based on how much I really did grow to love Stephanie Brown. But I will let her elaborate on the reasons why Batgirl Volume 2 is the best series of the year, because I know she wants to. I know she's going to No, please, if you have thoughts, I would appreciate hearing them. No, it's... Don't really... How do I know? Are you serious here? No, give her Stella. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's a tough you know, race between detective and this one, but my heart is just going to go for Stephanie Brown. And a lot of the reasons I just said before, you fall in love with that character. And it's funny that John said that Stephanie Brown may have been a hated character. And I think in the comics, as spoiler, she annoyed a lot of people. And she even brings this up in the comics, you know, is this what people thought of me when she was going against the, the gray ghost? Cause he was obnoxious for her. Um, but she really made her way in the universe, and everyone respected her, and that was basically what the outside world felt as well. And just consistently from start to finish, she just she tugged at your heartstrings, and you loved the book, and it was just so well-written and fun. And the way she had zero filters, so she would always say what she was thinking, which was really awkward. I don't know. It was a great book, so that would be my, my vote here. Just to be different, I'm going to go with... Batwoman. Um, I think it's been really, really well written. Um, you know, they could have gone down the whole Scott Lobdell kind of thing where she's a really butch woman and it's all, you know, all about her having lesbian sex with everyone. Um, and they haven't. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's a fair charge that you can make of them. I mean, there is one. Oh, sorry. Um, there was one, you know, one scene, but that was tastefully and done. what a scene. <laughs> it was, it, it, you know, it was it was done really well. It wasn't, you know, kind of all in your face, full on. It, it was done in an artistic kind of way that made it seem real. And, and, and that's, I think, a credit to the art as well, is that it's, it's always been really good. It's always been realistic it's always been very very strong um and i i think it's been a, a fantastic series and i'm i'm so glad that it's it's carrying on all right so the best ongoing comic series of 2011 goes to Batman Volume 2, which is a slight surprise because based off of everyone's opinions here you would think that Detective Comics Volume 1 would have won I guess the hosts don't matter in their opinions. <laughs> That's why their fans voted. All right, moving right along. The best single issue of 2011. Now, um, for these, I'll go through each issue and kind of give you an idea of what actually happened in this issue or in these issues um, briefly. Uh, so the nominees for best single issue of 2011 are Detective Comics 881, which was the final issue of Detective Comics, the accumulation of the Black Mirror storyline, of or from Scott Snyder, 
Uh, Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance number two. This was the issue where it is revealed that the Joker in the alternate Flashpoint universe is actually Martha Wayne. Um, Night and Squire is the final issue of Night and Squire. Um, Batgirl number 24, also the final issue. Um, Detective Comics 879, It's that's the issue where it's revealed that uh, James Gordon Jr. is actually um, a bad character and not... You know this this character. We don't. We, we are unsure of his status as a villain or a hero, or you know, good or bad. I should say not villain or hero, but a good or bad character. We 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 find out that he actually is a bad character. Um, and then Red Robin number twenty six. That was the final issue of Red Robin. Um, kind of the in, the entire Fabian Sizes storyline comes to a close with issue number twenty six. Tech eight eight eighty one was awesome. I'm vacillating between that and Flashpoint Night of Avengers number two. Uh, to this day, Melinda's saying I've been rather violent today. I, I wish I could kill the guy who spoiled that for me on Facebook. <laughs> and then when I yelled at him, he says, you know, it's too bad, dude. Derper, derper, derper. And it's like, oh, I hate you. But it was still an awesome issue. Um, I might go with Detective just because I just remember that the, it wasn't just because it was the last issue of the uh, James Gere storyline. It was really good. Like the art was changing, like I already mentioned, the re- re- the reveal of you know what James had done to Barbara, which was horrible. Um, Barbara getting her own back. Um, James Jr. knowing that Batman was Dick Grayson. I remember I, that really did stun me. I thought that was handled very well. And just like the ending with uh, uh, Gordon and Dick, where he's like, you know, thank you. You know, it's you know nothing said, but you know you kind of have an idea of what they're going for. It was just so well done and that was that probably is the best issue of 2011 i uh probably flipping between batman night of vengeance number two and uh the night and squire issue five because both of those were well i mean both of them were reveals of the joker actually but i mean i think both those ones were i really got excited about it i know the rest of the the tbu weren't quite so hot on the Night and Squire issue five, but uh, I think maybe something about it being written by Cornell and uh, I don't know a sense of loyalty to the British, perhaps. But uh, I really enjoyed that that whole series, and I think that issue really flipped that series on its head and did something really amazing with it. I really enjoyed that. And then, obviously, the Flashpoint one. I mean, if you listen to that episode, you can hear in the bloopers how flustered I got trying to <laughs> review it. I really enjoyed that issue. That was one of my favourite ever. It was really spectacular and I think it just shows how a good story can just be a good story. I mean, it was related to Flashpoint and some people could say it, just, it doesn't matter but, you know, it was such an amazing story that it kind of surpassed all that and just stood on its own right as a great story so I really enjoyed that. Um, Joe and I got to work together reviewing Flashpoint for the site and I remember reading that you know, it was the middle of summer, working like 14 hours a day, but just being so blown away by the reveal at the end of that and how you could sort of see hints of it when you went back and read it and just everything about that, it really, it tugged my heartstrings and I don't have very many of those. So <laughs> for it to be able to do that was, was a really great thing. Um, that's why I would be torn between this and Red Robin because I thought it really brought the character of Tim Drake full circle his choice about whether or not to save the villain in the end i i don't know that i would have been able to make that choice i thought that that was amazingly well done so i 
I would probably vote Red Robin 26, but it would be a close fight with Flashpoint Night of Vengeance number two. See, I didn't like Red Robin 26, but uh, I already talked about that on the show. That's because you're wrong. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. oh, okay. I, see. I understand now. I guess yeah, I shut right up there was a negative <laughs> shipper, people. Negative shipper. Angry um, shipper. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the only thing better than uh, Martha being revealed as Joker would have been Leslie being Catwoman and then her and Thomas having a Catwoman number one scene. That's oh, what I have to say about Flashpoint. Oh, <laughs> I hate you now. Uh, but seriously, Batgirl 24, and I think John was the one to say, or was it Joe, the one that teared up a little bit? Um, well, I think it was John. Wasn't it John? It no, was? No, it, yeah. Okay. It, it was John. It was John. It, okay, okay. No, it was Joe. Uh, Joe's just trying to hide his, his true emotions. Okay. Um, but no, I too got a little teary-eyed. Not only it being this this great final issue and not seeing her again, but just the way he ended it and seeing these potential futures. And one of them, you know, she has a kid and he's dark-haired, so you wonder if it's Tim Drake. And that one scene where uh, Damien's over on the rooftop giving her a salute, which just cements that relationship that he finally accepts her and they kind of were always a, a hateful brother-sister duo it was just a, a great ending to an overall great series um, I'm going to go uh, Red Robin 26 um, you know we see Tim Drake come full circle in my opinion and he, he really steps out as his own um, own man um, and develops as, as his own hero and, and, and that final scene where he's got to decide you know whether he's going to save the villain or not is, is a, a really powerful really strong scene in, in my mind and it, it kind of mirrors Batman's development Batman had to make that choice of whether he was going to, to kill or not to kill and, and, and Tim's got to do that as well and I, I thought it was a really excellent issue Alright, so the the best single issue of 2011 goes to... Detective Comics number 881. Who's wrong now? <laughs> Still you, buddy. Still you. Wah, wah. <laughs> maybe, you got, right. maybe you got extra votes because it was extra-sized. Alright, so the last comic book... Uh, Category is Best Comic Book Character of 2011. The nominees are James Gordon Jr., Penguin, Batwing, Bruce Wayne, and Dick Grayson. Uh, James Gordon Jr. was great because, unlike, well, despite what Gil Simone have you believe, he was very ambiguous at first. You didn't know if he was crazy or not. He was definitely creepy. Yeah, I know. But um, he was, you know, certainly he was he was written well enough. And when it was revealed that he was crazy. When they had that, that horrible scene at the end, where you know had the guy like you know down in the basement or whatever, oh. it was, it wasn't like he, he could have been like like I don't know like like Mr. Zaz or whatever. He could have been written over the top. I felt he was written pretty, pretty awesomely for like a a, a serial killer. So I, I nominated him. It seems odd having uh, bad guys, I guess, on the best comic characters. But uh, I really enjoyed the Penguin miniseries. I thought he was written fantastically well in that series. James Gordon Jr. was. Uh, yeah, like I said, we've been saying, an amazing arc, an amazing character, especially because of the ambiguity of him. 
Dick Grayson as Batman was... I mean, I came into Batman reading Dick Grayson as Batman, so I'll always have a place in my heart for him as that character. And it, he was, it led to some amazing stories with him in that role. So I think this is going to be another tough one. Dick Grayson, because he was the first Batman I read, and I thought his stories were consistently wonderful this year. Uh, James... Gordon, oh my word, yes, I remember that scene as well, where th- with that guy, he didn't have a jaw, and that just freaked me out, but the way they build on everything, and the intensity of that one issue where they're in the restaurant, and the water is coming out, and so you wonder if he actually killed the waitress, but it was Roy Fawcett was running, but it was like an Alfred Hitchcock moment, did he or didn't he, kind of like the light and the milk and, and the man going up the stairs. Uh, but, wow, yeah, great character. Yeah, James Gordon. Um, he's just so creepy and so dark and, and, and so different from everything else that's kind of in the Batman universe at the moment. And uh, hopefully he'll come back again, written by Scott Snyder, not by Gail Simone. All right, so the best combo character of 2011 goes to... Dick Grayson, by only a very small, small amount of votes, uh, James Gordon Jr. came in second place. Okay, interesting. Cool. All right, so let's move into our next category, getting into the media. Uh, let's go over the best Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2011, and the nominees are Batmite Presents, Batman Strangers Cases, Might Fall, Night of the Batman, and Joker the Violent Villainous. Um, Night of the Batman was an episode that has Batman being hurt in Aquaman, Captain Marvel, Green Arrow, Martian Manhunter. Um, they all turn into Batman. Um, they wear Batman-like uh, bat suits, You're still using their powers, but making it seem as if they are Batman because the world needs Batman more so than it needs them. Um, Might Fall was the actual was the final episode of the series. Joker the Violent Villainous was the return of some musical numbers. Um, with the Joker, and then Batman, Batmite's strangest case, Batmite presents Batman's strangest cases was um, the the three different stories. One was um, the Mad Magazine inspired um, bits. There was another one that was the the Bat Manga type things. So that was that episode. Talking about this makes me miss that show all the more. Uh, Might Fall is my nomination. I've actually seen all these episodes. Um, sounds weird to say. Um, that episode was just so funny. It was so meta. It destroyed the fourth wall in it with every scene. Uh, talked about how you know their breakout character, you know, could go jump the shark, and um, how Batman could be used to sell toys. And you know, it, it has all these great moments. But you know, I think the most notorious moment is like when they tease a, a 3D Batgirl <laughs> show at the end, com- complete with her like uh, riding by on her on her bat cycle. I thought that was like. As Stella is, you know, chopping at the bit to talk about, but uh, really, that was that was the best episode. But really, all, all these episodes I thought were pretty good. I didn't actually like Might Fall too much because of how meta it was, and it felt like because it was written by Paul Dini, wasn't it? And I don't think he'd had all that much to do with the series beforehand. And having him write that episode and the way it played out, it almost felt like it was kind of mocking the show a bit. And I mean, that might have been my interpretation of it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I really love the show and I came to it a bit late and 
trying to catch up on some of the older episodes and stuff, but I, I feel like they could have gone out with a bit more dignity. But then I guess how else could they have got? How else could they have gone out? So I guess it was it. It ended well. I just think that it was kind of a bit. I don't. I don't mind shows parodying themselves, but I think it was almost mocking itself in a way, but uh, sort of detrimenting it in a bit in this way. Um, I think my favourite episode was probably the Batmite presents Batman Strangers cases, and uh, it was just cool to you know have an episode with a whole episode with Batmite, and then seeing again those sort of uh, those clips of other Batman interpretations, like the Batmanga one, was particularly funny. My favourite was Mightful. It was massively off the wall um, and really, really well done. Plus, it finished what was basically a terrible TV series. So oh. it's always going to win. Alright, so the best Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2011 goes to... The series finale, Might Fall. Let's move into our next category, best... Dark Knight Rises news of 2011. The nominees are release of the first official trailer, Catwoman revealed, the film will have more IMAX scenes, the flying vehicle revealed, and the release of the prologue. I want to say Catwoman revealed because I remember when um, they announced that the villains were going to be Catwoman and Bane. Obviously, people think of Catwoman as a villain, although I could argue that she's not really been in a while. But that being said, there was a lot of talk about, you know, oh, and Hathaway's going to be playing Selena Kyle, but not Catwoman. She's just going to be Selena Kyle. I was I remember just arguing, like, why would you have Selena Kyle in a Batman film and not have her be Catwoman? Because Selena Kyle on her own has zero worth. So it was just like it was just kind of a, a stupid thing that was going on and like it personally for me it justified my anger. So for very biased and, you know, annoying reasons I'll say Catwoman revealed. I'd be the opposite for very biased reasons because and Hathaway. And wow. <laughs> yeah, that's going, that's going through. <laughs> and I guess the one that I was most excited about was probably the first official trailer because uh, I don't really care about the film that much. Although I'm getting more excited. I am getting there. I was super excited about the, the first official trailer because that is the first time that I have been anxiously awaiting a trailer because I didn't start reading until after The Dark Knight. So I... You know, when The Dark Knight came out, I was working in a movie theater, and all I thought was, oh, great, another movie that I'm going to have to stay for a midnight release for. So, but this, to me, is exciting, and I will actually be one of the people at the midnight release, and it's just very wonderful and very exciting. So the best Dark Knight Rises news of 2011 goes to the release of the first trailer. All right, so now we move into the Batman Universe uh, category, which is really the stuff related to what we do as a site and as a podcast, and well, as hosts of podcasts. So the first one we have is the Best Batman Universe Special of 2011, and the nominees are the 2011 Blooper Show Part 2, the 2011 Blooper Show Part 1, the New 52 Special, and the DC Relaunch Special. It's going to be hard to vote for this because I think we were we were involved in all of them, if not most of them. Um, I, I vote for the blooper specials just because it was really funny to hear that delirious uh, track of myself, Josh, and Zach trying to record a commentary for Teen Titans and like 
literally staying up till three in the morning and still not having it done, just being kind of crazy when we started it. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I think the loop special is always hilarious, great fun to listen to. So uh, I'll probably have to go with those. Although it was fun recording the uh, the other specials, New Fifty Two and the the relaunch special. Um, I'm going to vote for New Fifty Two because that was the only one I was around for. Um, I really am looking forward to the 2012 blooper show, but uh, I'm going to go with Melinda on this as well. That uh, the New 52 show was my first dabble in the, the the Batman universe environment, and for some reason, I'm still on this show. So yay! Uh, I would say the the uh, New 52 special. Yeah, I had an absolute blast recording it. Um, it was really funny, and it was the first one I did as well. So it makes it amazing because I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> the best TBU special of 2011. <laughs> Clearly, the fans all agree with those of you who had your first appearance on a special because the new 52 special is the winner. Oh, okay. That was fun. That's exciting. That's pretty cool. Like, it's, it's good that it's not just the. It won by a lot, too. Cool. Everyone loves Melinda and John and Stella, and no one loves oh, us. Yeah. It won't we be say we do sometimes. <laughs> Next up is the best TBU exclusive 2011, and the nominees are uh, Scott Snyder interview on the Batman Universe interviews feed, the San Diego Comic-Con 2011 coverage, the C2E2 2011 coverage, and the Dark Knight Rises viral marketing reveal. I have to say that um, I love the interview with Scott Snyder. That really was great. But it's living in England. It's having like the C two E two coverage is it's uh, it's great for me, and I'm sure John people will agree with that. Uh, I mean, with San Diego, it's the biggest one, and DC released their podcast uh, with the recorded panels. But for the the smaller cons, or basically any other than that, we hear nothing other than from other websites and having the Batman Universe report and all of that is really great for me. Definitely the San Diego Comic-Con coverage because I met Dustin and Stella and had a ball time of my life. And um, just covering those panels, being at the year one panel, the Arkham City panel, was just a massive adventure that I wish you could find on DVD. But oh, my gosh. It was it was awesome. So without, without a doubt, the SDCC 2011 uh, coverage. Um, C2E2 coverage, because like Joe, you know, everybody and their dog covers San Diego Comic-Con. It's not really that special of a thing. Um, but... (laughs) (laughs) Canadian enemies, Don. Canadian enemies. Canada. Um, C2E2, just because it's something that you don't see covered a lot, and it's something that it, it is very unique to this site. And I think that that makes it that much better. I felt like I had to be a secret agent in order to get into the Arkham City panel. And, uh, boy, you know, that water cooler really helped me out, is all I have to say. But I I loved it. It was just such a great experience. And uh, who knew that to this day I would be annoying Dustin? (laughs) I have my suspicions. (laughs) Um, I'm going with the... uh C2E2 coverage as well, and like Joe says, because we can't get there. It's nice to have kind of wall-to-wall coverage and, and find out stuff, um, and to see all the really amusing photographs on people's Facebooks. 
Jeff's as well. Um, that's always very funny, especially Stella and Josh's matching pajamas, which were very attractive. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, definitely the highlight for me. And I have to say, for myself personally, the uh, in some regards, the C2E2 coverage is a lot of fun because it's not... C2E2 is is still not it, well. It's it's not it hasn't reached the 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 heights that New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con has already have obtained. And the idea and the, the the benefit of that is that there's a lot of time where even if I'm at the convention covering the convention and getting news for the website, there's still plenty of other time to you know still enjoy the convention. So as a personal thing, that was that, that was really nice. But the big thing in this year was actually that the viral marketing reveal, Warner Brothers picking our site to reveal um, the Bane poster tube, along with less than 20 other sites across the world. That was a huge highlight for me because it just puts everything in perspective of how much Warner Brothers appreciates what we do, and that was really nice. All right, so the best TBU exclusive of 2011 is actually the Scott Snyder interview on the Batman Universe interviews by a whopping. Um, it has it, it had a whopping 83 percent of the votes. So that was a great that interview. Was clearly, a good yeah, it was a really in depth as well, and I think we actually got some things which uh, there's also some exclusives on there, which was great. And Scott Snyder said he wanted to be on an island with Barbara. Yeah, I mean, if somebody ships himself with Babs Gordon, you know, that's that's a winner right there. All right, so our final, final overall um, category is the best overall Batman news of 2011. Now, this is specifically dealing with specific topics that occurred within 2011. So the nominees are DC's New 52, Batman Arkham City, The Dark Knight Rises, and Batman Year One. Dark Knight Rises, it's the next and final installment of the uh, Chris Nolan, Christian Bale Batman movies, which I think have been awesome, and I think a lot of people, other people agree. Uh, Batman Year One, that's, that was cool, although, you know, it's just, you know, another one of those the movies that, that uh, DC Home Entertainment's been making. The New 52 has <laughs> had its ups and downs, and knives in the back, and Batman Arkham City, as awesome as it is, I have yet to play it because I've yet to beat the first one. Although I did like, enjoy that panel, so uh, Dark Knight Rises is, is going to be awesome. I'm going to be there uh, midnight with my squad. I'm going to be watching it, and just it's going to be excellent. Uh, I think the one that generated the most discussion probably was the New Fifty Two. I mean, we had a special about it, and the 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 night that it was the press release here, I, I remember lots of us were stayed up long into the night. Especially I was up until the next morning. Just talking about it and ranting and raving about how bad it was going to be and then we all calmed down and we kind of looked at the potential it had and it's turned into what it is now which I think is kind of working well uh, but yeah like Don was saying Batman Year One it was exciting it was a, a great film but you know it's we, we've had Justice League do since then and we've got more to look forward to in the future Batman Arkham City I'm I'm not a games person but I pre-ordered this and absolutely love it except now I hate it because if I had done what I usually do and wait until it gets cheap I could have got the game of the year edition and got all the DLC packs included <laughs> <sighs> so I'm, I'm annoyed about that but uh, yeah so 
lots of great Batman news we got last year? Uh, for me, torn between New 52 and The Dark Knight Rises. Obviously, I'm really excited about The Dark Knight Rises. It is going to be the conclusion of a pre-planned trilogy, so I'm excited for what that means for the characters that exist within the movies. I have loved the majority of the New 52. There are things that I absolutely can't stand, and I have chosen to not pick them up, but by and large, I think the New 52 was a really interesting direction and a really interesting choice for DC to make, especially with established the established series that they had. So my vote for uh, Best News goes to New 52, because I ended up not really caring for year one, and like Joe, I'm not really a games person, so I haven't played Arkham City. Uh, this this should be the which news made Stella the most emotionally distraught uh, category, um, just for like, you know, just putting anxiety on me. You've got New 52, which I remember that night well, where there was like this huge, com- like people were coming in and out of the conversation, it was very interesting, uh, but just... I think it was very heartbreaking for me in the sense that all these things were going to be done over and Steph was going to be gone. And that's the, that was really what I was concerned about is, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to these characters that we love? And I'm better now. I'm still not completely over it because Batgirl is not the Batgirl that I should be reading. But this is not the time to discuss that. Batman Year One, I have mixed feelings about... Namely, I was excited because I thought, well, if they're doing this, then perhaps Batgirl, because, you know, Batgirl is on the way because perhaps they'll make the way for that. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it also, uh, it was sad because I thought, well, maybe they're not going to make Batgirl ever and they're just really are going to stick to the, the main men, Superman and Batman. But it was great at San Diego because this was my first step, and thank you very much, Dustin, for allowing me to do this for you, uh, in the interviewing process, and I was freaked out the first interview I did, but that, that was a great experience. Uh, what are the others? Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, I don't get as excited for the Batman films as, say, I'm sorry, Spider-Man or, or something like that. But as it gets closer, I get more and more pumped. But when it initially came out, probably not as much. Yeah, I have that game. I played it for two hours, and then I put it away. And not that I didn't like it, it was just very, I, I knew that it, it was going to be a game that I needed a, a large break for, because it, it seems very large. So I'm actually going to start it next week, start it over again. Um, but I think overall that New 52 and Batman Year One had the, the greatest emotional reactions from me. Um, I'm going to say Batman Arkham City. Um, I've played the game and it is amazing. It's an absolute epic of a game, um, and they keep adding more stuff to it, which is even better. It keeps you interested. It keeps you hooked. Um, the new Harvey DLC pack that's coming out is, is, is really, really, really exciting, um, and, and the, the twist at the end is, is brilliant. Um, you know, if you like musicals, you'll like the ending of Arkham City, um, and, and it, 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 it's just brilliant brilliant game and it's it, you know getting to play all the other characters as well Nightwing Robin um, fans have been demanding to play as them for 
ages and, and now we've got an opportunity to and, and they've done them perfectly and so that's where my nomination was like. So overall, the best overall news of 2011 goes to Batman Arkham City. I think that's mostly because Batman Arkham City was or well the year 2011 was Batman Arkham City. 2012 will most likely be The Dark Knight Rises. Batman Year One was Batman Year One. It was it was a DVD release. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, Batman Arkham City gets the best overall Batman news of 2011. Now, this last bit of the special, we did this last year, we're going to do this again. Um, I'm briefly going to go over uh, 80% of everyone who who submitted um, their votes for the survey put in the demographics at the end of the podcast as far as like which podcast you listen to, how often you go to the website. And I appreciate that. And there was a couple different sections where you had the ability to um, ask for changes or things added to the website. Um, who would you like to see interviewed? Um, and then any other questions or concerns. So I just want to go over some of these uh, changes or things added to the website and go over some of them because I I find some of them really interesting. And it'd be, it, it, I just want to bring some of them up. Um, there was a lot of different suggestions for a new, more appealing design for the website. Um, all I have to say to that is, I welcome any and all suggestions. I'm not a website designer, but everything that you've seen on the websites over the past, um, almost, well, the website's been up for almost four years now, so everything you've seen on the website has come from my mind, and I'm no designer, nor do I have hardly any artistic capabilities. So... Um, if there is anybody out there who, you know, knows WordPress, knows how to do web developing and things like that, or just has re- some really good ideas on how to make everything look better, by all means, send us an e- send us an email. And let us know. I'm I'm more than happy to uh, to take any any opinions and uh, suggestions to heart. It's just a more of a the time and and talent type thing, and that's something that. I don't have a ton of, but uh, I try to use a lot of my time designated towards the news. Um, some other people suggested um, adding some different sites or adding some different sections to the websites, um, an action figure archive, um, or there was some suggestions about removing some of the podcasts that we have. Um, as far as the, for instance, an action figure archive. We had history sections on the website a couple years back um, on one of the first or second versions of the website, and the ultimate problem with the history sections was uh, the the maintenance on them or upkeep, I, sh- I guess is a better way to put it. The in order to keep things like that going and updated so that they are always relevant is a lot of work and unless there was someone out there to actually specifically show or specifically take care of it that's something that is just too much to add on to our plate but as far as links to other ones again that would be something I would definitely consider adding links to some other sites out there that have really good action figure archives or things like that Um, there are numerous books out there that do the exact same thing um, that show a lot of that stuff 
Um, another thing I, I saw actually a lot of times or in a lot of things was there was a, some people said they wanted a bio section for the co-hosts to learn more about the co-hosts and especially when co-hosts leave what they moved on to um, if they have any other shows out there that they're still working on things like that and I think that is going to be something that we'll bring back we did have that before on the last version of the website um, that will probably be something we'll bring back um, and get everyone to write a little blurb about themselves and then as time goes on if, if things happen and people move on to do something else um, and leave TBU we'll make sure we still update with what they're doing out there in the world um, there was a there was a couple of other questions or a couple other things about uh, more comic reviews or more comic panels um, like the the uh, bat scans of the day and things like that again that's just another one one of those things where it'd be great if we could do them we would just need more people because what you see on the website now is basically what us and just a few other people that uh, aren't on the podcast but are still staff members of the bat, uh, of the website have the time to do so things out there like classic comic reviews for previous Batman comics or the Bat scans or things like that or even more reviews of the, the movies and TV shows and things like that those would be absolutely great and we would welcome uh, staff members or, or writers to write reviews of those and things like that but it's just something that we you know we put out the call for help every year and it's one of those things where it'd be, it would be great to, to have more of that stuff it just comes down to who is here doing stuff every single week for the Batman universe and how much time they have outside of what they're already doing. And I know a lot of everyone here can speak to there's a lot going on and we have a pretty extensive recording schedule and post-production schedule as well. No, he, he's right. There is a very extensive recording schedule. Um, I mean, if you think about the number of podcasts the site puts out at a time, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think particularly for us who are editing the podcast, that it takes up a lot of time. And, you know, we don't mind doing it, but it, it leaves less time for the website and things like we'd love to be writing more comment reviews and doing things like the bat scans. And we have lots of ideas. It's just more often than not, it's the time. I mean, I know lots of people have things going on. I currently have all my exams going on at the moment. So I have even less time than I would like. So, uh, it's kind of schoolwork or the Batman universe for me at the moment. And, and we're not scary people either. Uh, well, maybe Stella is, but um, <laughs> everybody else is lovely. Um, I, I think, oh, my uh, gosh. To tell you the truth, you I'm more scared of Melinda. Oh. That's true. Melinda, is, it's, she, she knits you into little sacks and you can't get out and then throw you in the river. Um, but I think, uh, you know, come along and, and, and join in the fun, please. We're always, yeah, we're always looking for new staff members, new writers, and there's always, you know, people who come on and they would like, they would love to co-host. The thing is, with with all of the hosts here, there's the every single one of them do something else. Um, half of them do editing for the podcast, or for instance, John he does everything for Bat Books for Beginners. Joe and Don, they edit the, the podcast. Melinda's actually in the process of putting together the new blooper show. Stella does Backworld Oracle and maintains Backworld Oracle's website. 
and then I do all of the news on the website. So there's all of us are busy doing all of these other things, and then the few staff members that aren't co-hosts, they are the ones who most of the time are submitting the reviews and the other articles on the website because they have more time than we do. So even if you can't be a co-host and you have no you have no knowledge of editing and things like that, we still are always welcome to have people um, do reviews on the website of different things, write articles on the website. Those are always greatly appreciated, and then that adds to you know what fans want. Um, and then in turn, you're getting your material that you're writing out there for someone to read, and then people can comment on and things like that as well, and then start discussions. Um, there was a couple more. There was a couple other suggestions for fixing the website as far as the viruses and security and things like that. I hope at this point that's all been resolved and then nobody has any issues. We had a massive hack that happened in the at the end of November and December and January were really bad months for the sites and the podcast because of that whole situation. But we we we, we got it taken care of. We we had a, 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 a company go through and fix everything and give the site brand new security. So the site has everything fixed now, and I hope everyone out there who was extremely disappointed by what happened, they've all come back and have realized that you know it just took a little bit of time to get it fixed, but we did get it all fixed. There is one specific thing that I do want to read. Um, there was a really good comment that someone left that. I just I feel they actually took a lot of time to write this, and they said nothing like it. Or the the question was, what do you want to see changed or added to the website? And this person specifically said this: nothing I can think of. You've truly been my number one source for comic, movie, merchandise, and interviews for Batman. I've really gotten to the Batman figures lately, so I wanted for I wanted more coverage for, on that. You've always been the first site I go to to get the news on it. If anything, more interviews. I loved your interview with Scott Snyder, best interview in recent memory. Oh, and if you get off topic on a podcast, don't worry about it. It's for our benefit. I love the humor and the randomness. Keep up the great work. Those comments are always greatly appreciated. We, we love hearing great things from people who listen to the podcast. Um, we love hearing feedback. Even if you don't belong on the forums, the website's now um, is able, the website has the ability to you can leave comments right there on the podcast post right there instead of having to go into the forums as well. You can always leave reviews on iTunes, and we read those. We reread them, and it, those are nice. It gives us, it affirms what we're doing, and those are really appreciated. Um, the other question that we asked was, uh, if you were, if we were to get one interview in the next, or this year, who would it be? Well, I know it's almost halfway through 2012. Um, numerous people did ask for Scott Snyder again. We did interview Scott Snyder at uh, C2E2, and Joe actually interviewed him at Kapow Comic-Con in London as well. We'll most likely get him again at San Diego and then maybe try to do another um, podcast interview with him uh, this fall like we did last year. Um, people asked for Grant Morrison. Somebody asked for Bob Kane. I hate to break it to you, whoever asked for oh, that. Gosh. Bob Kane is dead. We unfortunately don't do interviews beyond the grave. Not yet anyway. <laughs> We're working on it. Some some other people asked for Kevin Conroy, J.H. Williams III, um, Adam West, Christian Bale, Bruce Tim. Some of those are a little bit harder, obviously, to get than others. Gail Simone, Greg Pulo, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams. Um, I will say it's probably in 
TBU's best interest not to not to interview Neil Adams, <laughs> considering I have booked a lot of his series over the past seven months. So that's probably not the best idea. Um, yeah, be really Greg, Hur- Greg Hurwitz is another one that a couple people asked for, and I'm actually already in the process of trying to nail that one, as well as James Tinian the Fourth, who's doing the backup in the back of Batman. Um, Kyle Higgins is another one. Gail Simone. There's a couple different ones. Um, somebody asked for Mike Martz. I, th- their exact answer was Mike Martz would love to get some real answers on what he really does. Yeah, you and me both, <laughs> friends. You and me both. We we are. I say this every year, and unfortunately, something always happens, and we don't end up tr- getting as many interviews as we hope for. Um, we're aiming to. Well, we'll be at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, we'll have a presence at New York Comic Con this year as well. Um, we went to C2E2. We went to to Kapow. So that's that's pretty. In my in in my personal opinion, those are the four biggest conventions across the world. Those four. Um, and if we cover every single one of those, I think that's that's a great. If we have staff at every single one of those conventions, that's a success right there. The benefit is that it's a lot easier, obviously, to get interviews while we're at the conventions than it is as if, as as because we're actually there and we're seeing the people, and it's a lot easier to do. Um, scheduling interviews like the really longer interviews, like we did with Scott Snyder last year, those aren't always as easy. But I'm just really making a lot of excuses. It's it's a lot of work to set up interviews, and the timing is always a situation because a lot of comic book writers and you know people who like the people who are involved with the Hollywood stuff and things like that, they have completely different schedules than I do or other people who will be doing the interviews do. And that's the big concern. Um, trust me when we sit, when I say we have definitely tried to schedule interviews with a lot of different people. Um, most of them, you would never even, th- you would, you would never think that we've tried, but a lot of times it's just a timing issue where the only time they're available to do it is in the middle of the week during the middle of a work day. And unfortunately, as much as some other websites out there make you believe, you do not make a lot of money on a website, especially a site based off of one specific topic such as Batman. There's actually very little money at all that comes from the website. So there's no way that you could just not go to work to do an interview if you understand what I mean. So, needless to say, I will try my best to get more interviews this year. Um, like I said, I have already tried to rope in some other um, interviews. Also, on the normal cast, we're, we're doing the guest host. That's going to be um, an opportunity to get some people who wouldn't necessarily be able to do an interview, a full-length interview for like 30 minutes with, but have insight on a specific topic that they can talk about. So those are some of the things you can look forward to in 2012, even though, like I said, it already is half over. We appreciate everyone who did vote. We did have over uh, 1,200 votes this year, and those are always greatly appreciated. And 80% of you who left the extra feedback to go through all of those and read your comments, it's really, it's really nice that you guys took the time to do that. So what we will do is we will promise you in 2012 to make the Batman universe bigger and better than 2011 and to try to add more content, more interviews, and uh, better quality overall. So hopefully you can all be content with that and uh, 
and continue to support us. So with that, that is everything for this year's award show. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news regarding everything related to Batman. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can join the forums. Just be sure, if you do, to send us an email and let us know that you need your account activated. And, of course, you can always email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is Joe. This is Melinda. This is Stella. This is John. And you guys have been listening to the Batman Universe specials. We'll see you guys next time. It's only the beginning. Unless it's the end, in which case it's not the beginning at all. And I think this is the end.